Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howell. Hey, Jonathan, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well. We're recording this in different places again this week. Uh, last week, we were able to get together in Columbus while we were there for the convention and mm-hmm. record in person for the first time. This week, not so much. I'm in Orlando uh, on a trip with Dr. Rayner, and you're in Raleigh again. Yes, I am. I'm at my desk, and you are uh, down in Florida, yep. which I'm sure is a wonderful yes, it a is. wonderful time. I bet it's not as hot there today as it is here. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty nice. It's in the low 90s here, but you know, it's it's, it's hot everywhere. High. It's summer. It's supposed to be hot. That's the thing. Well, it's in the high. I've been in the high 90s here yes. this week. And, and so in Nashville we're as well. So, yes. Um, so I was kind of glad to get out of there because it was it's a lot hotter in Nashville than it is where I am here in Florida. Before we get to the big news this week, Amy, we had some really sad news coming out of Charleston last week. We all woke up Thursday morning to learn uh, the horrible news of what had happened the night before in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, It was at a Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting where nine members of Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church uh, were killed in just a, a terrible shooting incident. Uh, And as the news unfolded, we came to learn that this was most certainly um, a hate crime, that the young man uh, was racially motivated to do what he did, and the horror of all this just really began to sink in. Now, the initial response among Southern Baptists was sadness and grief, prayer, um, very clear statements that these were our brothers and sisters, and we were standing with them. Um, But as we began to process kind of the bigger picture, more conversations began to develop. Um, Dr. Russell Moore, president of the ERLC, made a very clear, bold statement uh, in a blog post that's been shared countless times. Uh, We can link to it, but most people uh, will already be very aware of it, uh, in which he actually called, he stood stood up and called for the Confederate flag to be removed from the State House grounds in South Carolina, which is a a major statement uh, to make. So once once that kind of got out there and he led in that way, uh, he just began participating in a number of media interviews, uh, has represented Southern Baptists over the last several days, but more than representing, he's really served as a leader in the bigger public conversation um, on that. And then on Tuesday, uh, Dr. Albert Moeller, president of Southern Seminary, he published a blog post that I think was really important for our internal conversations about some of these issues. Uh, in recent years, and, and even as recent as last week, we've, we have been continuing uh, just to work to face a rather complicated past that hasn't always been pretty. Um, and Dr. Moeller's post really went right at this. Uh, He spoke of, as he said, confronting the past and confronting the truth. And he stated very clearly, no question, that the idea of racial superiority is a heresy. Uh, He said very clearly, um, a statement said, we cannot change the past, but we must learn from it. There is no way to confront the dead with their heresies, but there is no way to avoid the reckoning that we must make and the repentance that must be our own. So this was an important story for Southern Baptists, uh, much more so than many others, possibly, because it pushes us to wrestle with issues that hit close to home, 
and to speak with clarity as we stand with fellow believers. So not not something that any of us wanted to to deal with, nothing that we anticipated, a horrible situation, um, but an important one uh, for us, an important conversation nonetheless. Amy, you're exactly right. It is an important conversation for us to be having as well as uh, just what happened a few minutes ago right before we posted this podcast. The Supreme Court has ruled in favor of same-sex marriage by a ruling of five to four. I would encourage you to check out Chief Justice John Roberts' dissension on the ruling. A fantastic piece of writing from the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, as well as uh, articles by Russ Moore. Uh, You mentioned his leading in the uh, the Charleston aftermath. He's um, posted a video from the steps of the Supreme Court, as well as an article by Ed Stetzer uh, that I would encourage everyone to read. Those those two articles are some of the best I've seen so far this morning. Uh, but that kind of wraps up a lot of the, the, the political commentary. And now we can look at uh, some of the news that really happened around the last week in the SBC. First out of the gate this week, Will McCraney has resigned as the Mid-Atlantic Executive Director uh, that is the Baptist Convention, formerly known as the Baptist Convention of Maryland and Delaware. Uh, most yeah. of you who've been around the SPC know that. Will McCraney uh, stepped down back on June 9th, right before the convention. We just haven't gotten to that, uh, but uh, it'd be interesting to see the new direction uh, coming in Maryland and Delaware. Uh, that's a lot yeah. of state convention. We talked about this early on in the podcast when we started uh, a few weeks ago last month that a lot of state convention executive directors uh, turning over lately. Yeah, just a, a quite a bit of transition uh, right now. It seems. I mean, maybe it's not that much more than than normal, but it feels like a little. It bit feels more like a lot days. more. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. And uh, speaking of transition, the summer is a transitional time for a lot of the seminaries. The big news this week out of Midwestern is their yeah. hiring of Owen Strayan from Southern. Yeah. So a lot of people know him. Uh, he's the president of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, Uh and then has been there at Southern for quite some time, and most recently was the director of the uh, Carl F.H. Henry Institute for uh, Cultural Engagement. Huge news that he's headed to Kansas City. Oh, and a very well-known figure, not only in Southern Baptist life, but in evangelicalism as a whole, uh, due to his role as the president of CBMW. Uh, Owen will join up with Jason Allen, a, a former co-worker when he was at Southern, as well as uh, you know some other really talented faculty that have come in under Dr. Allen, including Jason Dusing, Jared Wilson, Christian George. Yeah, so, Christian George, yeah, everybody. A, a lot of world-class faculty heading to Kansas City. Yeah, very, very interesting, and that was, was really big news on Monday. So I know uh, people were talking about that on social media quite a bit. You are correct. And uh, some other really encouraging news coming out of the executive committee uh, Dr. Frank Page has named Paul Kim as the first ever Asian American advisor to the executive committee and received a report from an Asian advisory co- council uh, over the uh, time that we spent in Columbus. Yeah, that was that was really neat. It's been good to see so much development in the the goals for diversity yeah. at the higher level. Uh I think we're just seeing that that we're not really satisfied with with each step. We we're just going to keep going, and that's been a good thing to see. I think we've talked about that for a while that we need that to happen. That this doesn't stop, and that's just another step in it that we're seeing. It is, and now we can kind of move back into our finishing our recap of 
the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting that took place last week in Columbus. Uh, we, we talked a lot about it last week. You can go get a lot of the, the instant kind of knee-jerk reaction that Amy and I had, just including an overarching you know, view of what we thought the convention was like. I've seen more and more positive stuff about it this week. Jason Allen's got it post up. Dr. Floyd posted a reflection piece at his blog over the convention. Uh, I've seen a lot of those. General consensus, very, very positive still. Yeah, yeah, everybody felt good. Um, and one thing that seems to be a thread through all of that is that the Tuesday night event, the yes. prayer service, uh, uh-huh. seemed to be so meaningful for everyone. And that seemed to bring the spirit of unity that everyone felt. And that uh, was what I think Dr. Floyd communicated as his goal yeah. from the beginning, was to say that we would come together to do what we need to do, but that this would be the thing that you know wins the day, this sort of unifying opportunity for all of us and yeah. i think that i think it was successful yeah and that sentiment it, it came out of columbus in a very pervasive way and you could feel it coming out of the convention uh you know even when i got back to the office at lifeway last week and i'm sure you probably did the same thing whenever you're you know catching up with people who were there and who kind of watched it from afar yeah the, the sentiment is is unanimous and i'm down right now I mean, we mentioned earlier i'm down in, in orlando i'm at the Evangelical Presbyterian Convention's annual meeting. Uh, Dr. Rainer speaking down here to them as the keynote down here. They're wanting to hear about Simple Church and, and everything that Dr. Grainer and Eric Geiger had written. And the same type of feeling, you kind of get that that same feeling down here in this evangelical you know, denomination, even though it's Presbyterian. Right. I mean, I'm feeling the same kind of togetherness, unity, prayerfulness here that I experienced last week. So it's yeah. kind of it, it's neat to see that not just in the SPC but kind of on a, a a broader scale of evangelicalism. Right. Right. Well, it was good, and and same here. When we came back, everyone had that that similar experience that this was just a good year. Yeah. And uh, so it felt very much like we were standing together. Yep. Some more news and notes. National WMU has named Linda Cooper as their newly elected president. Uh, that's a Usually a one-year term, but it's uh, available for five years. So usually they go for about five years. And Debbie Ackerman from South Carolina just stepped down as the uh, the immediate past president. Cooper is a member of Forest Park Baptist Church in Bowling Green, just up the road uh, from Nashville. She's uh, up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. She will assume the duties of president of the National WMU. Um, Excellent. Moving on to some other news. Uh, Dr. Floyd and some former SBC presidents uh, held a press conference last week to discuss marriage and the Supreme Court decision on same-sex marriage and uh, released a the audio of that is available at BP and they released a full statement as well so if you're interested in hearing uh, that statement from Dr. Floyd uh, let's see I see Dr. Floyd Jack Graham uh, James Merritt Bryant Wright Paige Patterson uh, and and a host of others Jimmy Draper's in there Fred Luter uh, and several others uh, were part of that news conference last week at the SBC. And also, one of the big news items coming out of the ERLC report last week was the opening of a Mideast office. Uh, that they yeah. Are, uh, it's basically an international religious freedom office in the Mideast. Yeah, that was that was the biggest. And what was interesting is, I mean, I, I don't think anybody really anticipated no. that or, or saw that coming. And so it was it really was kind of news um, that got a lot of people excited. Just the fact that we're 
we're just sort of going beyond our borders yeah. to talk about these these issues. And it is the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and they're saying this is a big problem worldwide. And yeah. in a lot of places, it's a bigger problem than it is for us here. So mm-hmm. They've appointed Travis Wusso of Austin, Texas. He was at Austin Stone at Matt Carter's church in mm-hmm. uh, Austin. He's going to direct that and move over to the Middle East and uh, will be basically our our religious liberty liaison to the Middle East. Yep. So very, very, very interesting. They had some other uh, good things in their report, uh, certainly, but that was kind of the one that came out and was the big news. Yep. Uh, we mentioned last week the commissioning service, the joint commissioning service, and how incredible that was. But uh, not to be lost in that, IMV is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the Journeyman program. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I, I had um, no idea it was that old. I, I didn't either. Now, I didn't come out of a Southern Baptist background, so a lot of these were terms that I learned uh, just in the last 15 years or so. Um, so I used to meet people and hear this person was a former journeyman and had no idea yeah, what they journeyman? were talking about. Uh, but then when I finally learned about this program, I thought it was just uh, fascinating, yeah. really really neat and uh 50 years that's a that's remarkable yeah anything to to go on in like this and fit for 50 years and there are hundreds and hundreds of former journeymen uh, i'm looking here in those over six thousand individuals have served as journeymen uh, they had 40, yeah. 46 in the uh, the first uh class 50 years ago 229 currently are serving overseas yeah, and we have a lot of friends who participated yeah. in the journeyman program. I know you you do. It's clearly is a life changing thing because oh, yes. oh, people yes. some of these people now it's twenty years since they were uh, in the program and they still talk about it. Yeah, it is. And uh, just a, a congratulations to IMB. That's a great program. If you uh, have college students who are interested in missions, it is a great program. You can find out more over at the IMB website about the journeyman program. And if they're involved in their, I know a lot of the, the Baptist student ministries around the, mm-hmm. uh, on campuses around the country have, you know, contacts and people who are uh, constantly, you know, looking for journeymen. And I, I know that's, that's where I knew a lot of the people that went on journeymen were in the BSU with me at Southern Miss. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I learned about it after, but have just heard so many people refer to their time there. So great program. Yep. The Lifeway Report uh, featured a presentation about the Gospel Project, which is realigning with all three, the students, kids, and adults. Uh, there's going to be a three-year chronological look through Scripture, all those kind of on the same pace. Uh, it's been out for three years now, almost a million users a week from the Gospel Project uh, was in the report from Lifeway. And also they introduced smallgroup.com, which is a customizable study, a small group study tool that you can build basically small group lessons based on any scripture that you so choose. Uh, so if you want to follow along with a uh, pastor's sermon uh, series or something like that, you can do that as well. So um, fantastic! that was in the Lifeway Report. We kind of mentioned it briefly last week, just on the, the question that Dr. Rainer got from Alan Cross about diversity. Uh, but, you know, uh, another solid report, a lot of restructuring going on. That's been out uh, for a while now. Uh, I announced that to the larger convention. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of changes going on at Lifeway, but positive changes. First year over half a billion dollars in revenue. So uh, good times at Lifeway right now. Now on to the other seminary luncheons. We mentioned three of them last week. Amy, you got the reports on the other three. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we talked about uh, Southeastern's luncheon and Southern and New Orleans, uh, but all six 
did did those luncheons, which are great times for everyone to sort of spend together, get reconnected. So Golden Gate had theirs. They recognized two outstanding alumni, uh, Keith Harris Williams and Terry Dorsett. And uh, so that was a, a really a really good time for them to be together. I know this must be an interesting time for alum, yeah. uh, alumni of Golden Gate as they think through the transition of their school, yep. you know, where all their memories are, where all their connections are, and they get to sort of be uh, a part of that. So I'm sure that was a, a time where they talked about that. How long so, is it going to take us to start calling them gateway like on, on first well, shot, I mean, a, it requires a two. I know, two I know, years it requires two years. But like, yes. whenever we start talking about it next year after this is finalized, I suppose I assume, uh, yeah. next July. It's I mean, gateway. it's going to be. How long is it going to take us to remember that it's not Golden Gate and that it's Gateway? It, at least it still has the word Gate in it, so yeah. it will help. It'll be close. Uh, yes. So uh, then, uh, Southwestern had their lunch as well and uh, they presented some alumni awards also james leo garrett who is a professor emeritus there tony matthews senior pastor of north garland baptist fellowship in texas and uh, a posthumous award to a development officer uh, from southwestern leroy kralzik and i hope i said that correctly um, if not, uh, apologies, but they did uh, did have some tributes to these those people, and then Dr. Patterson gave uh, sort of a report, which is a, a really great thing. We that all the all the seminaries give that opportunity for the president to come and just speak to what's going on and connect with those graduates who are there, uh, and then Midwestern had uh, it sounded like a very interesting luncheon. Uh, they had the alumnus of the year, Bob Mills, who's the executive director of the Kansas-Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptists. Uh, but also, from what I saw, Christian George did a presentation uh, titled Through the Eyes of Spurgeon. Yes. I, and I saw a lot of tweets about talk, that. Lots of talk about that. They um, said it was like one of the most fascinating lectures many of them have ever seen. Yeah, I want to go hear Christian George I wonder, give I a lecture. Online. We have to find out if it's online. I might have to watch we that. Should, we should look, and if it is, you should link to it. Um, because it, this, I think it was kind of a multimedia presentation, yeah. maybe, and uh, says that he just kind of talked about who Spurgeon was and what it was, what it was like. I love history, so uh, those types of things are always very interesting to me. And people say that Christian George is just a masterful um, lecturer. And so at some point I'm going to have to get a chance to see that. Now we also last week covered a couple of the other luncheons, the B21 lunch, uh, the Midwestern for the church lunch that they had not to be left out was the pastor's wives conference on Monday. We, we covered the, uh, pastor's conference last week, uh, and also the ministry wives lunch on Tuesday. Now at the pastor wives conference, one of the cool things we, we had, uh, a time of prayer during the ERLC report this year for the embattled florist, uh, who had lost her shop for refusing to do a flowers for a same-sex marriage. And also, we had a time of prayer for Pastor Saeed's wife at the pastor's conference. She showed up or was there uh, as a, a guest there. And yeah. Gina Floyd, President Ronnie Floyd's wife, prayed for her, had a time of prayer that these ladies uh, covered her in prayer. Yeah, so they're st continuing that spirit of unity um, 
over there uh, in the Hyatt, which was right next to the, the convention center. The expo was happening outside so people could go and and have some more interactive times with uh, agencies and other places with exhibits. This was the year that the Pastors' Wives Conference was designed to be yeah. have some continuity with the Ministers' Wives Luncheon. Um, so that was kind of a, a neat transition. And uh, Angie Smith was at the yep. Ministers' Wives Luncheon there. Then there were kind of the extra sort of auxiliary events. Uh, Southwestern hosted Tea at 3 on Monday afternoon, um, which I was not able to to go to that, I was at another meeting, um, but I heard that it was it was very good, focused on a lot of resources that can help um, with equipping that you know, and and also I think they were trying to help women to connect with each other. So I think that was a really neat event uh, that had short three minute presentations on on some things, and I think they had like two hundred people. Uh, or more come. And so I think that was a, a great thing. And then Wednesday morning, uh, we, uh, along with Nam, hosted a breakfast that was really just focusing on the area of leadership with a, a panel discussion that had uh, the great joy of being moderated by Lizette Beard, who was, uh, she did not fail to deliver. She was very, uh, very funny and, and uh, charming, asked some great questions, and we had some great uh wisdom that was shared in that. So one of the things that I loved is that sort of from start to finish, the, there was something on Monday morning, uh, Monday afternoon, Tuesday lunch, and then Wednesday morning. So there were things going on all the time, discussions yep. to be a part of. And I, I talked to a lot of women who appreciated that at the SBC this year. They felt like there was a place that they could come and they could be fed as well. You know, they're not, mm-hmm. quote unquote, tagging along with their husband or, you know, just coming with nothing for them. There was a lot more this year, it seemed, uh, than in the past for women at the SBC. And that kind of leads us right into this week's interview with Kelly King. Today, we're joined by Kelly King, the women's specialist in the state of Oklahoma, the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. Very good, Jonathan. That's uh, it. All those weird names. And I know. We I, all I try to remember them. Get them so, mixed up, don't we? Uh, so anyway, Kelly, you are a woman in leadership in the SBC. Um, there are very few women who hold roles at your height. Selma Wilson comes to mind, Amy Whitfield at Southeastern, who is on the podcast with us here. And what are the, the what does women in leadership look like in the SBC? Well, that can be a loaded question. <laughs> and but generally um women have influence. Let's just say that. We may not be considered uh top leaders in some places and and I definitely don't push for a, an agenda of women want to be pastors. I don't I don't see that. I don't hear that in my circles anyway. Um but I do think women look at our congregations they look at our denomination and they say, where do I fit in? And I think that the, the door is opening wider than it ever has. Um, I, I do think there probably are women who maybe feel a little restricted. But for the most part, you know, where God's going to call you, um, God's going to open the door. Yeah. Now, you've been in the uh, Oklahoma Baptists for 10 years. Before That's that, correct. you were on church staff for about five, I know. Yes. How have you seen leadership within the denomination and just leadership for women in general uh, change in that 15-year time span? Sure. Well, I, I think that women do minister to women. 
And so you see it on the local church level. Let's start there. So in a local church, I'm seeing more and more women getting opportunities to sit at the table, so to speak. And so they're giving their input and they are teaching and they are being educated. When you look at the rates of women who are graduating from seminary, who are in seminary. So I, I think maybe in the past, it would have been easier to say women didn't have maybe the theological training, but nowadays, I mean, women, um, they are great Bible teachers. So there's some, there's some changes happening there. And just women, just their viewpoint's going to be a little different than men. So that's always, uh, always good. Yeah. Well, we talk a lot about, whenever we talk about women in the SBC, we think Annie Armstrong, we think Lottie Moon, we think missions offerings, and, and WMU. Uh, and there has been a, a history, so to speak, of women uh, really rallying the battle cry for missions in the SBC, not just in the SBC, but in many other denominations as well. Now, where do you see that and missions and how women are fitting into that role today and maybe how that's changed over the history of the SBC, maybe even looking forward? Sure, absolutely. Wow. You look at Lottie Moon and you look at an Annie Armstrong and we stand on the shoulders of women who were bold and especially bold in their day, um, even amongst denominational leaders. And so uh, definitely they paved the way in a lot of ways. What I see the difference in as far as today in women, especially in a millennial generation, emerging generations of women who, who say, I'm, I'm in there. I'm going to make a difference. I'm not going on the mission field uh, to just be a support role. I'm going there. And, and women do reach women, especially when you look at, let's just talk North Africa, Middle East as a general yeah. area. That area, women are going to reach women. Yeah. And so we, it's, it's a, and women want to go. They are feeling called to go and they are sensing God's leading. So that's exciting. I was in Europe, Western Europe earlier this year. And to hear some of the young women missionaries that are impacting their communities and impacting those countries, it's phenomenal. Well, we mentioned earlier that you are the women's specialist in Oklahoma. You've got a lot. I know you have a lot of uh, retreats and things you lead like that. I follow you on Twitter and Instagram, and I see you all over the state, it seems, at times for retreats, uh, setting up missions opportunities as well. What is going on? Tell us just, I guess, people listening around the country, what's going on in Oklahoma, and how are you all reaching Oklahoma for Christ? That's a great question because Oklahoma is a little unique. We really sit in the center of the country. And so we have a bit of a Western mentality, but yet when you look at a North American Mission Board map, we're going to yeah. fall in the Southern yeah, because you're part we of are, the Southern core that's states. That's right, yeah. because we are giving, we are sending. Yeah. You look at our university, we have one Baptist university, which, so Oklahoma Baptist University. Which I know you're a fan of. I Yes, I am You've a paid a lot of tuition money we, probably yes. to there. Um, so plug <laughs> For them, plug for bison, yay, Carib. And so OBU, since we, we know that there are more IMB missionaries on the field that are OBU graduates than any other university. Wow, incredible. That is incredible. Then you look at a youth encampment of False Creek, which right now there'll be five to 6,000 kids there every week for eight weeks this summer. And the number of kids called to, to missions, that's not just guys, that's women. So you look at that, and then what we're doing in our state is we have a really unique opportunity in our churches because there's a great unity among our churches. So when we pull them together for 
an equipping event or we pull them together for a, a retreat, so to speak. They come and they come together with many other churches where there's over 200 churches in our in our state that come to a statewide retreat. We'll have over 600 women who come to our, one of our regional training events so they learn how to do ministry in their state. That's a that's a bit unique. Yeah. And so we, we see a real blend of missions and ministries and that is a little different than some states. I from just everything that I know. Now we've asked some of the interviewees that we've had on the show, where do you see the SBC in 20 years? And I want to get this from two perspectives from you. I want to see where do you see women in the SBC in 20 years? And where do you see the convention as a whole in 20 years? Wow. I'm definitely not a fortune teller (laughs) and I'm definitely not someone with a crystal ball, but I do think you see trends. And so trends do predict future you know, ways of doing SBC life. I, I think, I think there will be a greater awareness and involvement in missions. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but I think if we don't stick to who we are, I think if we don't stick to who we are as cooperative Baptists, as far as we we give together and we know that we do more together than we do alone. That is a very distinctive mark for our denomination. If if people understand the cooperative program, if people understand the impact of missions around the world because of what we do together, um, then we're going to survive. If we don't, and if we're not educating a new generation on what that looks like, I think we're going to, I think we will continue to decline. And I think that we will see non-denominational uh, churches continue to, to rise. Uh, and that's not a bad thing. I think we all have to be in kingdom work. Yeah. It's not, it's not a let's preserve the denomination. Let's further the kingdom. Let's mm-hmm. spread the gospel. That's each one of us. Who are we sharing Christ with? And when it comes down to everything, that's what matters. Nothing else. Gospel. Well, thank you, Kelly, for being on. We appreciated you being here. Thanks, Jonathan. Wow, that was a great interview, uh, Jonathan. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Really glad for that opportunity um, to have a discussion with her. And so one final thing, as we sort of review last week, we talked about most of the business uh last week, but there were a few things with the executive committee. Yeah. Um, we had, pre- we had previewed those. Those were going to be some, uh, bylaw amendments, things like that. And most everything kind of passed through mm-hmm. without opposition. First Except round the one of thing the, that I didn't think was the, the, the one that I didn't think would have much opposition did. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the bylaw amendments kind of got through the second round of the messenger requirements, the first round on, on the gateway, Golden Gate to Gateway discussion. But the thing that came up that was fascinating and got some opposition was the quorum, uh, the quorum yes. question. And uh, that came up, one messenger sort of stepped up and said, I, I want to strike this. And they actually moved, they had yeah. had debate. It struck. And it did, yeah. There, uh, the The issue was to say, we're not we're not going to have this requirement for a quorum and a lot of people got sort of uneasy with that obviously because they got struck down but the question kind of goes either way folks say well if you require yeah. a quorum then anybody can get up there and call for a quorum mm-hmm. and shut down yeah. debate people say if you don't require a quorum 
you can schedule something when yeah, nobody knows. And, and both sides have legitimate arguments. Yeah, yeah. I mean, either either one. Yeah, and Both make and, sense. Right, and procedures are kind of there uh, for a reason because we have to, to work through all of that. And so in the end, the messengers, they spoke. And so that that part of the process is a great thing to see because you step back and you say, no, this is really a very uh, – everyone is part of this. I'll put it that way. It's a, everyone is part of this process. We do decide these things together. So yeah. I'm happy because one of my favorite movies is Mr. Smith goes to Washington and there's a great scene where they uh, use a quorum call in a, a actually a tactical way. And all the little pages are out there calling the senators to quorum. And that's what I think of every time I hear it. So <laughs> I'm always happy it stays in. All right. Well, um, we will see if that gets resurrected at the next executive committee board meeting. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you kind of wonder if, if they'll just let it be or if they'll try to resurrect it or change it or modify the, the original uh, the, request the tr- or something. Yeah. The truth is, even as we look, even as we look at not wanting to strike the rule, there's been very few times in recent years that I've seen anyone actually use that and call yeah. for a quorum. So, yeah. Well, that kind of covers all the news and reviews that we have this week. So let's move on to the resources of the week. What do you have for us this week, Amy? Uh, Yeah, I have The Measure of Success by Carolyn McCauley and Nora Shank. Um, It's a a book that B&H published a few years back, and we actually gave it out at our breakfast last week. Um, Carolyn came and spoke at Southeastern this year on what she called the story of work, Uh, did a a really short talk in the spring. It was fascinating, and uh, I just really liked how she pulled this sort of biblical perspective she she says um tackling stereotypes that have left women trying to figure out how to balance everything uh going against any kind of one size fits all thinking and so she goes for the biblical perspective on women work and the home and uh does it in a very good and balanced way and uh so it's a great great resource and my resource of the week is bill hennard's new book can these bones live uh church revitalization is all the rage Right now, you, you hear a lot about church planning. It gets a lot of a lot of ink time, I guess you could say. A lot of stuff is being written on written on church planning. But every time I'm out and about talking with uh, church pastors, denominational leaders, anything like that, everybody's talking about revitalization too. Uh, it's not an yeah. either or. I mean, it's it's not an either or. It's a both and. And you know, oh, today I had a, a lunch discussion with a, a bunch of Presbyterian pastors and leaders who wanted to talk revitalization. They see the same things that we see in the Southern Baptist Convention where you've got a lot of older churches uh, that are in need of revitalizing and you don't have the, I guess, the manpower like you do for church planning for revitalization. So they're they're asking, how do we do it? What do we do? Best resource I can point point people to right now is Bill Hennard's book, Can These Bones Live? Fantastic. So that'll do it for this week's episode of SBC This Week. We will join you again next week and cover all the news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention with a special SEND conference preview with Kevin Ezell. We'll see you next week. I can't believe we're already talking about that. So we'll see you next week.